world, this is Paper Cuts with Brad and Jay. We'll just get this out of the way here. Thanks for joining us on Brad's show. Yeah, thanks for coming to my show. You I did not say shenanigans. <laughs> okay. Are you, are you drinking already? No, I've just got water. Just got water. <laughs> Always looking smooth, aren't you? Yeah, I, I do it. I try to clean up for the show. Look, one of us has to. Come on. Grab your bottle of bourbon. It's time to chat with Ashley Irwin. <laughs> Shit, that rhymed. We are live. Well, happy Saturday. Almost said Friday. Because it's Friday. Normally it's Friday. Happy Saturday, everyone. Welcome to another exciting show of Paper Cuts. Thanks so much for stopping by and hanging out. We really appreciate it. My name is Jay. That's Brad over there. Get ready for a fun Saturday afternoon show. This is actually, Brad, a makeup show, a makeup it episode, is. because uh, we were going to do this in December, and you had to go off and get the cooties, right? I had to get the cooties. <laughs> it's the, the kid's fault. The, uh, the kids the brought it in. The cootie bug going around, mm-hmm. and it actually pissed off our guest. Like, she ghosted <laughs> us for a while. She was so mad. Uh, <laughs> she was like, screw Not that small-time show. A very small, you know, she's got bigger things to do. And then I we, reached out it, to her. It was just yeah. emoji middle fingers. Yeah. We did some negotiating. There was some blackmailing going on, you know, some weird pictures that we can get into later and all that stuff. But finally, welcome to the show, the writer of Grit Black Blood. That just sounds very good. Such a good title. It. Yeah, it is. Ashley Irwin, everyone, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. None of that stuff they just said was true. <laughs> I did not do any of that. Are you, um, are you saying I'm making it up? No way. Uh, but it makes a you know what? Spectacle always contributes some sort of uh, some sort of luxury to a situation. So we'll take it whenever we can, right? It gives a buzzfeed, right? Gets the kitties all excited. But but the audience wouldn't expect anything less from me. So no, the people that listen to us don't believe a word out of Jay's mouth. So we're all good. <laughs> I think they've come to to know by now that you can't trust Jay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for the compliments there, Brad. Yeah, it. You're welcome, Jay. Yeah. Hey, I haven't talked bad about Ohio yet. We're only thirty seconds into the show or so. So <laughs> give it time. Okay. So Ashley, you're out on the West Coast. What are you normally doing on early Saturday afternoon? Um, so, uh, I'm big into hiking. I didn't really understand it before we moved out here. Um, we moved from Atlanta about 10 years ago and, uh, I would rather have just gone for a run, but I gotta tell you, there's a big old park here called Griffith park. It's, um, uh, it's got many, many, uh, treacherous mountains and we like to ruck it up and, uh, you know, get a little Goggins energy going on, uh, on a Saturday. So that's normally what I've been doing. The sun's out and we would be probably about two miles deep. I was gonna say uh, you had the weather to do it out there. Yeah, we're here yeah. on the East Coast, you know, we're wearing coats in our houses and stuff, and <laughs> digging freezing to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no can't beat the weather. That's way. why you live here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but we have the earthquakes. You know, it's a that is true. Yeah. Trade off. So um, one day you might just be floating out in the ocean. So <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Right. So with I wanted to. Talk about your day job. So you work for, is it Angel's Envy Bourbon? Yeah, I work, I, I'm in the whiskey business. That's what I like to say. That's yeah. great. I, and business is good. Business is always good for bourbon. Yeah, yeah. So what you do you, what school you, me on the drinking? Cause I'm, I yeah, don't drink. Jay's, Jay's got, oblivious. Yeah, so you got to school me on some of this stuff. So you know what? I, I feel like whatever lane you want to drive down, friend, that's the lane you should. So it's all good. We got so plenty of you, fans. <laughs> what is your normal day to day stuff? Like, what do you do? Um, so, uh, well, um, uh, a lot of things. I manage a team. I run the advocacy for the West Coast. Uh, I got my hands in about 26 states. I disseminate program, I curate experiences, and I try to 
uh, lead folks and give them a platform of support so that they can uh, grow within their professional career. Um, yeah, but the long and the short of it is it's just a, it's people business, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. uh, personal relationships and um, being a liaison between the brand and crafting a story that people can associate with. So that's, that comes pretty natural. Um, and then I, uh, yeah, I came out of the hospitality industry. I was in that for about 21 years. So this was sort of a natural progression um, and someone had put my name in a hat and I went into it. So I've been with the company for about five years and I've been pretty tickled pink with it. They're, they're wonderful people. And I mean, the juice nice. speaks for itself, so I can't really beat it with a stick. Where do they, uh, where do they brew that at? Is it out of California? Uh, no, it's based in Louisville, downtown. Louisville. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, do you get to come to go. Louisville pretty often? Say it again. Do you get to come to Louisville pretty often? Yeah, I do actually. Um, for the launch of the book, I, um, I was in, uh, Louisville, um, around that time and I hosted a couple of book readings and I got family all in Eastern Kentucky as well. So I try to get, the, get out there as much as I can, but, uh, I, I do travel a lot. Yeah. You're on the go. As soon as you wake up, you're just nonstop making connections. I mean, does that yeah, get flattering? I, oh, well, <laughs> I mean, I wake up three hours behind, uh, behind where we're at because, you know, Pacific time zone uh, yeah. versus Eastern. So it's a little bit of a shuffle, but, um, and, and I manage a couple of different time zones. I got, um hawaii all the way over to central Ooh, so um uh yeah it's it's busy but it's um it's wonderful like it's uh i can't speak highly enough about the company um and uh i've got a great group of people that i work with and i work for and um uh lots of really exciting stuff on the on the whiskey front end of it so yeah I'm, i mean i'm 90 miles a minute for sure yeah so how do you find time to write though if you're doing all of this stuff oh that's a great question so <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't i don't really sleep that much uh all that often i get about uh that's the long and the short of it so um my day will start you know anywhere between uh depending on where i'm at and what what's on the slate anywhere from 6 a.m um and it'll go depending on if I'm traveling, sometimes it's, uh, 14 hour days, uh, with entertaining and whatnot. Sometimes it's not, but let's say I'm at the house, right? So I'm at the house. My day will start at typical eight. Um, I'll work until about eight or nine on whiskey business. And then, um, I'll, I'll carve out writing until about 11 or 12. And so that I okay. usually sleep, uh, sleep about six hours and repeat. Busy, busy, busy. So how yeah, long did it take I like it that way for this, for this new book. How long did it, that like, are we talking months, years? I mean, a little bit at the time. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting because I have a lot of distance between this book. Um, this, I finished this book probably five years ago and, oh, okay. uh, it took me about three or four years to write. I was writing it, um, uh, in conjunction, uh, with a couple of other projects that I was doing. Um, but, um, you know, the process takes a process, I suppose it's not, um, done until it's done. So, uh, mm -hmm. I, I kind of just allow, allow for the meandering to occur, but I would say I'm working on another thing that I'm hopeful right now that I'm hopeful I'm going to be able to crank out in probably about a year and a half too. Okay. So it, was this book just sitting on a shelf for four or five years before you start shopping around or have you been no, shopping it the whole shopping. time? Or no, it... yeah, it was shopping. I mean, as you can tell, it's a whomper. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a big it's old. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's uh it's quite the tome um so I shopped it around for a while and then uh you know how it came to fruition is that Ron um from Shotgun Honey Mm -hmm. gave like a little shock, like a shout out on Twitter and was like, I think I'm going to publish this book. And he said my book. And I did not, I don't, I don't even know if that time, if I had submitted it to them, because I think it was out of their, their word count clearly. Cause this, I mean, this is about like 130,000 words or something like that. And um, I hit him up on a message. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> um, I was like, my goodness. And he said, yeah, you go send me over the manuscript. And, I think just the universe aligned that way. Um, Shock and Honey was one of the first uh, platforms that published a short story of mine about 10 years ago. Okay. And um, Ron is just the nicest person in the entire world. Just, I mean, like genuinely the nicest person and really loves um, what he does and loves the craft. And, you know, he's in West Virginia and this takes place in Southeastern Kentucky and it's about a bunch of baddens. And so the world just kind of lined up, but, you know, shopping something around is hard. It takes a long time. Right. It's a lot of rejection. Yeah. And um, you've got to find somebody that really vibes with what you're trying to do. And I think that I had kind of like curated enough of rapport in, I suppose if you want to delegate it like the crime writing world, if you want to put it in that little niche, because um, I travel around and do readings mm -hmm. or at the bar. And I'm, I've done that quite a lot. And I, I suppose some some folks maybe said some nice stuff and he, he lent an intrigue. And so here we are. And my goodness, I'm thankful for it. So. Yeah. I really, I really like their, their lineup. And like, I don't know how many books I've, I've gotten directly from them, but yeah, I, I really like the lineup they have. And it's got that feel. It's got that feel. Yeah. It's yeah. Got like, a, I don't know how, what it is, but the shotgun honey books, just, you, you, just, you know, <laughs> yeah, you just know that this book is for shotgun honey. So yeah. Yeah. They've got a good aesthetic. He's got a good yeah. um, thread line that runs throughout and, um, a wonderful lineup and a, a lot of great books coming out and a lot of good books that just did come out and uh, yeah. all of the authors are just the writers are just they're great yeah because yeah, you just good, read good group that, of folks uh, to be in you just read cw blackwell's uh was it hard clay mountain jay yeah, yeah. yeah. oh i did that's, as well pardon me yeah. that's <laughs> i think cw he blurbed your book didn't you did he barb your mm -hmm. book yeah he did you've He's got nice. you've got an essay cosby blurb on there that's good i love his blurb too a Greek yeah. tragedy soaked in moonshine and Crisco. The Crisco part just adds a little extra, <laughs> that little Southern yeah. twang on the end of Crisco. Yeah, he was, um, I met him uh, at BoucherCon in St. Petersburg, Florida, like four years ago. And we just uh, lit up because Eric Pruitt was hosting uh, a, um, a panel on Southern Riders and it was him mm -hmm. and uh, Steph Post and uh, Sean. And then Sean and I, you know, we speak the same language, like, you know, like, so, um, he's been, he's been really kind and he, he's just kind in general, the way that he supports the writing community and how he lends, yeah. um, he lends, uh, just a platform and just always wants to, um, give folks an opportunity. And, and it was very kind of him. So he, he's a, he's just, and whenever I get the opportunity to hang out with him, he was just out in LA, uh, for Jordan Harper's book and, we went and ate okay. some um, some food and hung out and kicked it. And his wife is just the funniest person in the entire world. She's so <laughs> lovely. I mean, she just she just tickles me pink. Um, so yeah, he's very nice of him. That's a long, that's a long roundabout answer to say. Very <laughs> nice of him. Yeah, I like to see his success too because what like President Obama put him on his like summer books to read list and his movies coming yeah. out soon or 
we're starting yeah. to film his movie. So I'm excited for him and his success too. That's cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And he's got things, he's got things cranking out. Yeah. It's great. Let's talk for a second because I'm curious about this, the way the book is written, the wording. Mm. I mean, it's, it's the, like, I've never read a book that has that deep of an accent in it. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's the vernacular. I'm sure, I'm sure there's know, a specific term for it, but I, we're not sure I, I don't know, but it, I mean, it was like, I don't know what it is. Did, did it slow you down any writing like that? Uh, or did you have to figure out a different way to spell things? Because I mean, I've heard the accent before, but I'm automatically mm -hmm. spelling things the right way and to try to, you know, tell, tell us about how, about the writing, the actual wording yeah. you used with it. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, so, well, it's the answer is simple, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, my dad was a great storyteller. His brothers were great storytellers. And mm -hmm. well, I come from the tradition of the best storyteller around the fire gets the biggest snoot of the whiskey jug, right? <laughs> so, all of my writing is uh, basically a continued conversation with my father who has passed. It is literally me just telling a story the way that my dad would tell a story and the way that my uh -huh. uncle would tell a story. And they talk like this and they get into it, you know, and they go and they sit up next to the fire and that's how they talk about it. And so when I started writing, it just kind of, I allowed these characters to come out of me and that's how it, that's how it presented itself. And so I just tried to kind of liaise how my accent would sound when mm -hmm. I'm reading it to you. And um, because I come from a tradition of oral storytelling, which is yeah. why I like to do these noir at the bars, because um, you got to be in the room, you got to hear it. It's kind of like punk rock, right? It right. exists for this very small moment and then it dissipates. And unless you're in the room, you don't get it. Um, that's, that's the simple answer for why it's spelled that way. Pro probably because I didn't know any better, quite <laughs> frankly. I mean, that's, that's what it is. I just was like, oh, that sounds right. I feel like, I feel like the best way to um, denote that you would drop your, your Y there is probably just to drop the Y. Let's put an apostrophe. All right. That yeah. sounds about good. <laughs> um, so with, the, with your other writings, are you going to do sort of the same style or are you going to switch it up with every book depending on what it is? Or uh, That's a great question. I'm working on something right now, which, so uh, my mom, my mom, look, to your point, I know that it takes a little bit of dedication to, to sit with this, right? It's like a little heavy Chevy. I'm kind of saying like, you got to be in it. Mm -hmm. um, you can't read it. I, at least for me, I couldn't read it fast. Oh, after right. no, no, no. It. I mean, it slowed me down a lot, but, but I'm also, yeah. I mean, I'm also the old guy that I, I'm not good with like uh, abbreviations and stuff. Like I'm quicker uh -huh. spelling things out. Like, you know, the LOLs, I could, I could do the laugh out loud quicker and you know right. what I mean? I'm not going to, yeah. I, I can't do the abbreviation. So that's why it slowed me down a little bit as I was reading it, trying to figure it out. No, it's, it's kind of a live in book as well. Right. Yeah. Because it's talking mm -hmm. about multiple generations, multiple timelines, um, and a lot of kind of like heavy Chevy scenarios. Mm -hmm. So it's meant to be like, I want you to wade in the water and I want to, I want you to get stuck in the mud with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I'm writing right now is I'm trying to write a straight book is what I'm saying. That's what I call it. So something my mom would want to read. And my mom's like a huge fan of, um, you know, like Dean Koontz and, um, okay. uh, and, and things that are just like real flip the page fast turners. Yeah. And uh -huh. uh, so I've been trying to read uh, writers that are similar to like that. I'm about to wrap up. Um, all the light we cannot see, which is if y'all have not, I mean, it's, it's been out for a while. It, it, it's, 
fantastic. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it yet. Holy cannoli, read it. Just do it. It's so damn good. Um, it's, uh, but the writer just like one page, one page uh, chapters. And so you just fly through it. So I'm trying right. to write that. I'm not doing a lot of my normal kind of inflection, uh, but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm not that far into it. So I'm sure I'll just go back to my old ways. And, I was, you know, was going to say, you start out that way, you know, <laughs> yeah, the first three or four chapters that way. And then we go back. It, and it bleeds into is. it. <laughs> that was just a build up. Yeah. That was a little teaser. Yeah. It takes place in the South and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something completely out of my wheelhouse. Um, I'm just, I'm honestly just trying to write a book that my mom will read. Um, <laughs> so it's like, we'll it's like a, fa a facade you did just to get, you know, get you hooked the first four chapters, but then bam, we're right. back to. <laughs> and then the, the yars come in and all that stuff. Chapter five. Yeah. 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 It, it's one of those things where I don't have to preface it with sorry for the violence, mama. You know what I'm saying? Like right. <laughs> I did this reading once in um, one of my favorite stories. I did this reading in, I got invited to somebody's house in like, Beverly Hills or something they came to a reading and they wanted me to participate in a salon so that's which is a fancy word for a reading and it was all these like well-to-do women um you know that in any other time would be white gloved up right sipping tea and I start <laughs> reading the stuff that I write and I was sitting next to this little blue hair with like a glass of white wine and you know I just whispered to her, I was like I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say <laughs> uh because I think They're I just you know out when they... <laughs> right I just laid into it and I kept being like you know, I got to tell you, I'm a, I'm a real nice person, but my goodness, don't I like writing about bad people. Oh, Lord. So, um, yeah, so we're going to try and write something that's straight-laced. That's what I'm going to call it. Straight-laced <laughs> mystery thriller or something. Yeah. <laughs> a cozy. It won't be. but <laughs> As cozy as it can be. Yeah. Right. You yeah. about the, the one-page chapters, though, like going back yeah. and forth between Willard and Connie yeah. was cracking me up. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, I wanted it to be like really fast and and how uh, kind of uh, this this swift progression of just when you see somebody in a bar and like you just that that's it. That's, you know, a connection occurs. Yeah. What you could do, go the Stephen King route and, and that that straightforward normal book have a different name, use a different name for it and do that. Your, you know, keep keep writing di that. this kind with the Ashton Urban name and then do three or four of those and then see how long it takes for someone to realize it's the same person. It's the same person. <laughs> I like that. Start, start having characters inter interact with the books. Yeah. Well, anyway. that's what uh, the writer, one of the writers that I first fell in love with when I was um, pretty young was Anne Rice. And she mm -hmm. writes under so many different pseudonyms for all of her things. So right. yeah, I might very well do that. We'll have to erase this. No, we'll, <laughs> I know. no you know, we'll edit no, this part we'll out. Oh, yeah. Let's for, start now. Let's start now. Thanks everyone for joining us for another episode of Paper Cuts. We'll start. <laughs> Come on, out. go off camera for a second. Come back in. Yeah, yeah. And Let me play scene. the intro again. We'll play the intro and yeah. yeah. Starting yeah. now. <laughs> so right. your other book, it was under A. L. Irwin. So that was kind of a, yeah. a pseudonym name. Yeah, yeah, and that was a that was a fun one. That was a. Yeah, the that longest was, that title was I've ever yeah, heard. Could you pick a longer title it. for that one? Oh my gosh, it's so good. I was really, um, you know, I love westerns. I love uh, samurai stories, um, uh -huh. and I just wanted to drop you into this world. Uh, and I, I loved, I loved that long title. 
See, it was a, so much. A ballot concerning Black Betty is good, and then you got to add the rest of it or the retelling. Or, yeah. depending on how you look at it, it could be a retelling yeah. of a man. You know, man so. killer and a machete. Killer and a machete. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, it's going to be a good time. Let's buckle up. So, a bunch of badges in that one. Top Hat was one of my favorite characters to write um, up until a couple in, in here. Um, but yeah, he's a. He's a he's a real nasty piece of work. How long how long is that book? Is that four hundred pages also, or <laughs> it's uh it's up there. It's probably like a hundred thousand words. Yeah. Okay, so I that's what you're used if... to. That's what you're, you're. She's telling these big long ballads, these epics, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I I well, I think how my my writing process differentiates some some is that I probably to my dismay, y'all tell me, um, <laughs> is that I'm not a huge like plotter mapper outer. Uh, up until a point right now um i'm more of a allow the i'm, I'm a conduit for the character right mm -hmm. so if i allow myself to be present and i have pen and paper words will just come into my head i know that sounds so silly that sounds silly even when i say that um but words will come into my uh head and i'll write them down and next thing i know it's a character that's just talking through me i'm god that sounds stupid um a, but a lot of other authors say that too and talked about that last episode like that blows my mind when an author can say i don't know where the story's going i'll let the characters tell me yeah. just like 1, for me i can't comprehend that like you're like the creator you're the god you should know what's going on and for it to be the other way i just can't wrap my head around that but i, I like well, how they know they get into like the character's mind though and mm -hmm. then allows allows it to happen so yeah like this book grip back blood started with hound the hound bonahue I wrote okay. a short story, um, and because uh, when I got done with a ballad concerning Black Betty, I, I was like, oh, I should maybe write like some some short stories, you know, <laughs> trying to figure it out. Figure and, it out uh, a little bit, right? And so I did. And the first character that came into my mind was Hound Bonahue, and it was the line, uh, uh, "When I was young, I used to wear wear dresses," and that was actually mm -hmm. based off of a family member of mine who grew up um, pretty poor in the hollers of Kentucky. And he came from a line that it was all girls before him. They didn't, they couldn't afford any clothes. So he wore dresses when he was mm -hmm. walking up in the hollers. And um, I started thinking about like, cause I'm, I'm just fascinated by why people do what they do. And I started thinking about this kind of like hard as nails person who's walking around in a dress and, and yeah. up there and what sort of interactions they're going to have and specifically what sort of interactions were they going to have in like the 1940s or the 1920s. Mm -hmm. And um, he just turned into, I mean, some bitch, quite frankly. <laughs> and, um, and, and that was the impetus for then forming this world. And I had done, you know, it, it serves, it serves two masters, right. For, uh, me to have a true like historical um uh love affair with kentucky right and like the mm -hmm. history and how and and what it represents and um my a family member of mine was the president of the coal mine union so growing up with those stories hazard being just uh about a stone throw away from harland and bloody harland that happened throughout the 1930s that 10-year guerrilla warfare and all of these battles and conflicts and kind of the the blood history that happened between uh individuals in general that occurred um 
uh, in Kentucky and Kentucky being this representation of the true Western expansion from the original colonies Mm -hmm. and the interactions that would happen with first people and, um, and, and the frontiers um, individuals that would come through and fur trapping and, you know, um, uh, lumber work and, and, and having this continual thread of this outsider interacting with people who are sequestered because of the topography and what happens when you insert different personalities and, and, uh, cultural experiences. And, um, you know, that feeds into my knowledge of bourbon to be able to tell stories and knowledge of the family. And so it wasn't, um, it wasn't very long before this one character of walking in the hollers in a dress mm-hmm. around the 1920s started to inform the landscape. And so if I just allow for that character to bleed and, you know, they're going to start interacting with these families and they're going to have their own conflicts. If I allow them to take me, then the, then the landscape builds out. And yeah. at least that's how my, my process is. So um, I do know that I admire immensely individuals who will sit down and they will plot and they will have a map and they will have linear, but this thing came about with the characters. And then I started once, once I had an understanding of who they were and how they operated and, and trying to be really true to and authentic to them and, and not allow for any sort of input of like, well, let me rephrase that having true detachment from myself and the character, right? The yeah. character's only mm-hmm. gonna do what the character's gonna do in that situation. Yeah. And and that goes back to like, I'm just I'm, you know, as nice as candy, but my <laughs> goodness, don't don't I love to write horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> They're so much fun. Um, they are fun. That's so. one of the questions here from Paul Shepard, another author. Do you prefer writing the villains? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I love I love good and nasties. Oh, I mean, they're just, they just take the licenship, right? And um, I think that, I think that it allows for a, an investigation into nuance. I was going to say, they feel much, write those. much more nuanced than a, your typical hero can be. Right. Right. You know, everyone, I don't know how we want to plant this conversation, but like, or chart it, but everyone, everyone envisions themselves uh, in in contemporary society, right? Everyone envisions themselves as as being the hero in their, in their real life. And um, that's, that's the striving of what they want to do. And um, I'm just so intrigued with why people do what they do, not necessarily the precursors that lead up to it and not necessarily the repercussions, but more so that very tiny decision that gets made in a room when no one's watching, what are these people gonna do? And that tends to be like when you start to deal with, you know, the the kind of grand thing of, uh, you know, there's a saying that like, uh, everything that rules the world is greed. And uh, I think I'm more, intrigued by everything that rules the world is envy and kind of like mimetic crisis and Mm, comparison Mm -hmm. and and things like that not to go like too down uh philosophically but um so yeah that tends to lend itself towards uh having a yearning to write about some nasties 
Okay. If you will. So it, yeah. it sounds like if you just interview people in your family and then interview people connected with your family, you just go back. You have enough material for like 50 books, <laughs> you know, like I think you have yeah. enough characters at least for 50 books. Um, do you always find yourself just writing, I, I guess, what's Southern pulpy stuff? Are you ever going to try to go into like a different kind of genre and see what you could do with that? Um, yeah, I mean, I've worked on a couple of projects that are definitely outside of my wheelhouse that haven't seen the light of day as of yet. Um, and I prefer like my, let's, let's, let's say my aesthetic is Southern pulp meets Korean thriller with like a lot of nihilism <laughs> and violence. Like I want to write. A, There's a, a big I, middle there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was at, um, uh, a dinner, uh, and uh, it was right around the time that um, Jordan Harper dropped his uh, newest book, Everybody Knows. Yeah. And he said this thing that I'm sure gets said all the time, but I was just like, oh my gosh, that's like, that's amazing what you just said. <laughs> and it was like, it's, you know, you, you enter like whatever cop show with a body count or yeah. <laughs> um, something with a body count. And if I can just tie in like whatever I'm writing with a body count, then that's what, <laughs> that's, that's what I like. Um, and because that's the kind of things that I like action. I like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I'm going to write a romance in my life is what I'm okay. trying to say. I don't think I'm going to write. So. <laughs> You're Southern noir uh, Quentin Tarantino is what you are. I guess, I guess. So. Hey, that works. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of, I suppose my formula thus far is bombastic spectacle with a body count. Yeah. There you go. That's a tagline. You put that on your book. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess TM. that's a good encapsulation. <laughs> bombastic. Yeah, I like that bombastic yeah. spectacle. We'll put a little TM on there, so you got it. Boop, boop. So. Copyright. <laughs> yeah. So Love this it. one's very, and I don't know if you meant it to be like this, but this feels very much like a kind of a mosaic novel with all the different characters and all the different time periods, and there's not really like a straightforward narrative plot. You're kind of exploring all over the place did you mean for it to go like that as you're creating the one character hound and expanding out sort of this almost this you know puzzle piece mosaic story all combined or were you trying to make it more straightforward narrative plot and it didn't turn out that way or uh no i knew that so if if i were to put an umbrella under here uh, over mm -hmm. over the book i would say that a thing begets a thing begets a thing okay yeah so three time periods, 1930s, 1960s, 1990s. In the mm -hmm. 1930s, specifically, the amount of violence that was occurring in southeastern Kentucky, because a lot of this is based on historical events. There's yeah. the Battle of Blair Mountain. There's Bloody Harlan, like I said. It is it is very confrontational uh, kind of guerrilla warfare tactics that are happening within that region with this um, uh, with this schism, this... Uh, this battleground between not only conflicting cultures, but also uh, between the coal mine and company that owned everything yeah. um, and the coal miners. So that violence then as it progresses realistically into the sixties, where you have this transition into a more uh, communal unification. So if, if 1930s is singular, it's an, is a singular experience of individuals moving through in a very like tactile um, mannerism. Mm -hmm. 
the 60s is more collective coalition trying to enact change that is, you know, prevalent with um, pretty much, I, I would say, a thread line throughout the cultural landscape in reality and within the book as well. And then you look into the 90s and you have this kind of dissipation of purpose, right? There's not, there's not, uh, you have individuals that are coming from these, these hardened uh, uh, folks mm -hmm. who don't really have a fight to fight, you know? Yeah. So it lends itself and it lends itself into these other avenues of conflict. And, and I knew that a thing begets a thing begets a thing. So this sense of insane violence that was happening in the thirties was going to influence the sixties and was going to influence the nineties. Mm -hmm. And, quite frankly, this yearning to strip away from an association to, uh, to that place, that time period, um, that, uh, that mindset. And that's kind of where the book opens with, with Mick and Ronnie Fairchild. They, they want to escape their past. They yeah. want to kind of escape who they are. And quite frankly, um, <laughs> no, you don't get to do that because, cause no one really gets away with anything. Yeah. Right. There's, there's always going to be some sort of consequential repercussion of whether or not it's an individual's doing or it's the, the forebears of that individual. It's like the sins of the father rest on the son, right? Yeah. So, so that, that's kind of, I wanted these, these trains to, to have a, a collision. And that's okay. where the time periods kind of, so I tried to think about it in, in a singular focus of the time period and how it would impart uh, meaning later on. I really liked all the different time periods and jumping back and forth. I really, especially the 1930s oh, part. I like the history and stuff with that, especially the miners oh, and everything. Like, uh, is it Cecil Hodge, the, the big bear guy? Cecil is that his name? Cecil Doc Hodge. Yeah. Yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. He's, he he's great. I was saying you were talking about earlier, um, like the different uh, perspectives and like f coming from different regions and stuff like the, the train guy, the prospector for the train coming through to his land. He's all nice and young and dressed yeah. up and Cecil's just this big bear of a guy out in the woods and get off my yeah. property, get off my land. Just those, that clash yeah. of cultures almost. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's based on, I was telling y'all before we started this, Cecil Doc Hodge is based off of my great uncle Earl. <laughs> who lived in uh so we have a farm my family's got a farm in um in eastern kentucky which is it's our family cemeteries there um mm -hmm. it's where you know we bury our kin and um it's uh got you know lord 150 plus year old farmhouse that that they built down at the bottom to the of the haulers and uh cecil doc hodge is based off my great uncle earl who was a veteran of um world war ii Mm -hmm. uh, and he used to live up there and you, my uncle used to talk about how you'd have to yowl the door. Have you ever heard of that before? Yeah. I have. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to, yeah, you'd have to yowl the door before you step foot because he'd shoot you. If you stepped foot on his property, he'd shoot you. And he yeah. actually had a run in with someone from wildlife coming, <laughs> coming down the, uh, a stream on his property. And he went to step foot off of that boat and uh -huh. put his foot into his property. And he, uh, like a game warden or something, a waterway ward, uh, something like that. And uh -huh. um, uh, 
my uncle Earl told that man, he said, you need to, you need to get up off my property. And the gentleman was arguing that this is a waterway, this, you know, you don't, you don't have any regulation here. We can do what we want. And he goes, yeah. Uh, infamously, he said to him, he goes, yeah, but you see that, you see that embankment up there. You're going to have to get out that boat and you're going to have to put your, your foot on a stone right quick because you're going to have to trek that boat over. And he goes, as soon as you do that, you're on my property. I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> and so like all of these things influence it. It's, it's yeah. So I'm glad you liked them. They're fun. I did. So was it, well, we have a few questions here and then I'll ask you my question. Oh yeah. Um, this is from Lewis Stevenson. He's another author. If you had to put out your own anthology, what would be your ideal theme and what would you, who would you invite to contribute? So if you're Lewis has a anthology. story one to contribute right now. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, theme. Mm. Oh, send in, your, send in your story, Lewis. We'll, we'll read it first yeah. and then give it to your other <laughs> body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called Bourbons and Baddies, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like some good old Baddens. I'd say some yeah. good old Baddens would be the theme. And, uh, you know, the story's got to fit with those. Um, that'd probably be it right off the cuff. We'll, we'll say that. Good question. My gosh. There's another one from Evan Williams. Uh, what was talking about Grip Black Blood? What was this book's path to publication and what was it like to work with shotgun? Incriminating pictures. That's how it's yeah. not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, apparently it was well, a long path, five years or so. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long path. Uh, I mean, I was shopping it around. I got um, a lot of rejections. Nobody was really kicking with it. Uh, I kind of like um, probably wasn't as active in the querying of uh, agents or, or publication houses towards the latter end of it. And then Ron from shotgun honey gave me a shout on Twitter. We'd had, you know, some, some loose dialogue and he, he basically said without any prompt, I want to publish this book. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's how it started working with him has been great. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't speak highly enough about it. Um, had he read the book uh, prior to say no. he wanted to publish it? No, just no. Oh, he just, he just said he was going to do it without reading it. Yeah, yeah, because I would oh. I would like randomly, you know. So I think I think what it probably needs to be mentioned in the room, right? So my first short story was published by uh, a publication called Cheap Pop, and my my second true one called Willard Tell was published on Shotgun Honey. That was about ten okay. years ago. So he kind of knew and of you before he knew okay. of me, and I had traveled. I have, tra I have traveled pretty extensively doing these noir at the bars because I come from that oratory, um, oral storytelling uh, mm -hmm. tradition. And so I've done pretty much, if anybody will let me do a storytelling, I'll, I'll go there. So I've done in Atlanta, I've done Seattle, I've done a lot in LA. I've, um, I've hopped the pond. I've gone to Newcastle, England a couple of times and gotten up with a gaggle of folks there. And um, they're just the best, by the way. <laughs> and they also do not know what to do with me. Um, I think I'm just like real high energy. I'm like too high energy for the for the Scots and like uh, just crazy enough for the Brits. And then you have uh, the Icelandic crime writers um, uh, who who are they just write horrible stuff like horrible bad like as in bad people stuff not horrible it's great <laughs> okay. stuff um, <laughs> um, but they don't know what to do and then you have the whole french like i'm like please let me get big in france y'all oh my god because they just they want to eat it up like uh, you know cotton candy they're like what is this southern pulp what are these rednecks oh my god i know um, um david joy is really popular in france yeah really? yeah david yeah benjamin whitmire is as well um 
Uh, I think uh, I think Abino yeah. Iglesias is pretty big in France too. Exactly. Yeah, they have this. Gosh, they just. I love the French. Um, <laughs> I, I love their pursuit. I, I just love their pursuit towards art in general. I love that they take chances. Uh, you know, they just don't. They don't. They don't give a. You know, they're just whatever. Um, <laughs> but. I forgot where I was going. Oh my gosh, what were we talking about? That was a long tangent. Holy cannoli! That works. Uh, you're talking about Noir at the Noir at the bar. Noir yeah. at the bar. Okay, so we have to say thank you. I need more coffee. We have to say that this is about a ten year conversation of me just like kicking it with folks, right? Right. And so, like, I've met a bunch of different writers from all around, and you know, you get you talk shop, you have beers, you talk about the process, you talk about life, you talk about the art that you enjoy. So I had had some rumblings and, and, oh, hey, Brian, I'd had some rumblings and conversations and stuff with folks. And I would periodically pitch out little blurbs about this. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Sean would be really nice. Sean Cosby would be like, I want to read this. And he would say that. And so that gets buzz about it. And I think Ron just maybe had his finger on the pulse and him coming, you know, living in West Virginia. It just made sense. So that was a long <laughs> answer to that. I mean, I forgot where I was going there. Y'all yeah. put me back on track. That, that, that was the storytelling part. That's all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think it was uh, Sean S.A. Cosby. I think he put something on Twitter with like the book cover and just like a little blurb about it being in Kentucky or something. And just that little bit, maybe I want to read that. Like I was instantly hooked. You want everything in Kentucky. If it Brad. is involving Kentucky, I need it because there's not much. That involves right. Hey, I have I have Donald Ray Polly, so I, I read his stuff because it takes place in Southern I Ohio. Love, so, <laughs> oh my God, I love Donald Ray Polly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're welcome. Thank you, Evan. Great, great question. Great name. Um, Evan yeah, Williams, Donald Ray Pollock. Yeah, uh, Donald Ray Pollock. Oh my gosh, that's Donald a bourbon, Pollock. by the way, Jay. You don't know Evan Williams. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Here a little bit. We're going to have some uh, some trivia, so I'm going to learn some stuff here about drinking. Okay. I'm going to become a, a uh, drinker after this show. I mean, oh, yeah. Great. My wife's going to be calling me like, thanks, Brad. Thanks for. You're welcome. Right? You're welcome, We're Jay. sorry in advance. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so what is. Oh, if you were going to say something, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to ask, what is Noir at the Bar exactly? Because I've heard of it and I know there's. Uh, oh, I can't, I can't think of his name. Chris mckinley i think invited me to one in lexington one time i couldn't make it so is it just oh, yeah is it like uh an organization or is it just random stuff that kind of pops up it's all called noir at the bar or uh yeah i don't i don't know that i can necessarily speak to the um originator i be, um of it so please forgive me in th- uh, of that uh ignorance so i will say that it is factions around the country of writers that host readings at bars that mm-hmm. tend to give a platform to um, all aspects of writing that fit within noir, which has a okay. lot of different deviations. Like I would make the argument that Southern pulp is uh, a deviation of noir. You know, mm-hmm. noir has yeah. the aesthetic of like wrong person on the, on the run. Uh, you know, uh, it, I, I suppose in a classical sense, it's like, you know, cynicism and, um, and a little bit of nihilism and like everything is horrible and, you know, everyone's heavy drinking and whatnot. And uh, I, I'm sure, oh gosh, please don't anybody come for me. I'm sure there's like better answers uh, for that. I mean, you can come with me. It's fine. Um, but uh, it's Be careful. Been... If you come for her, she's violent, right? Uh, no. <laughs> she, she knows. She knows how to fight. <laughs> um, but 
It has been a wonderful platform to not only build community, but also to give voice to new and emerging riders. Like say for example, yeah. here in LA, there is a champion of riders and a, an, a, an accomplished writer himself, Eric Beatner. Mm -hmm. And he is, uh, he has written, gosh, he's written so many books. And um, he is a, the nicest person, one of the nicest people I've ever interacted with. Um, and he gave me an opportunity to do my first ever live reading at the bar, at the bar in LA. And it allowed for me to start to, there's a horn honking. I'm so sorry if y'all can hear it outside. Okay. It allowed for, for me to start um, uh, making connections, getting a platform. And, and it's these individuals that really want to curate um, a supportive system for folks to get comfortable reading to, for folks to um, blurb their books. Like I think, mm -hmm. I think my first time that I read, I was on the same ticket as Joe Lansdale. And so it's like that sort of, yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> I mean, but he, he's Texas. We speak the same language, yeah. you know, it's like, um, it, and so it, it's just really wonderful. Um, the the connectivity that happens with that and really beautiful to be in that room because it's usually like eight to 10 riders. I just got done with one in Seattle. Um, uh, a friend of mine, Nick Feldman, um, he, uh, a, a great writer. Uh, he hosted us and it was, um, it's always an eclectic group of folks that are in the room. So it's well, I'm great. I'm dying to it, hear it, you read some of this story to us. I, I really, yeah, I, I, yeah, I want, I want to hear yeah. the, the way you read it, the accent. I want to, I want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> So you want to do that now or you want to? Whatever y'all want, we can do it. Uh, that is very nice praise, friend. Uh, <laughs> what, way to live out of the room. Woo! Let me take a knee right quick. I'll know if I'll be able to do it. <laughs> um, no, yeah, we can get right into it if y'all like. You, you need to take a drink first or? Sure, yeah, let's, okay. let's get some soda water. So it's too early right. to be drinking. I was, was going to say, yeah, I, I, I keep forgetting. It's, it's early like, for me. Not even lunchtime out there yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh Perfect. So uh, I'll just read a little bit of the first chapter, if I may. Yeah, that's fine. Um, as long or good. short, however, whatever you want to do. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Well, maybe not uh, the whole 408 pages, but you know. I'm going to read everything. <laughs> so everyone, you can go for a restroom break right yeah. now, and then we're going to go to eight hours of reading. You got it. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we're going to take another break and another eight hours of reading. Just audiobook the whole time, <laughs> the whole thing. Right now it's happening live. Yeah. <laughs> Just record, hit record. This is it. We're going to we sell go. this. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me get the giggles at me. Here we go. Um, so chapter one, 1990. Inner cowboy Nick. He shot five people that day. The lady with the bouffant. The husband to her. Red, the man who ran Reds. The fat man in front of him while waiting in line to kill Red. And me. Believe that were all that gun had given him in the years he'd towed it. 45 split through me like it's cutting hair. Set me against the busted out cutlass next door with streams of red spurting out. Settled over me in cold spikes fitted with flesh eaters as rodeo hands, the disease making way over every inch. Mick Fairchild were his name, that rusty motherfucker. Stood with a phone in one hand and a Ruger Blackhawk in the other. His feet planted on the peeling patch, a throwaway roof that these shitholes always have. It had been two years since I'd seen him last, and morning, Nick. Bubbled out a lot nicer than that fucker deserved. Morning, he clipped. 
that phone dropping from his shoulder. Oh, that's right, the phone. Well, we better get, we better rewind right quick. Ring, ring, zero in on a phone, a rotary phone, a shitty phone with a long cord that belongs in a place where gravel makes up the majority of the parking lot, where beat down doors and bugs constantly crawl out of cracks. And there's always one lady round somewheres with her hair teased to God and a blue bouffant. And there ain't shit you can go to saying to her that's going to convince her you ain't what she's thinking you are. And the Franklin you slammed down for propriety's sake with the hen at it. There's a joiner. I'd have garner her listening by the grace of God there hadn't been one. So for you know what's what, you're puffing frosties and swapping yarns with a man packing heat and you done found out about his children. Children he don't see no more because he ain't worth the company. And it's shitty the place you're at. Not him. He's a pretty solid guy for a feller named T-Bone who trained hopped off the tracks just yonder over. And you go to thinking he probably don't deserve all that shit his kids said to him because he seems like a nice enough guy because you're cracking cold ones out of a cooler listening to a train whiz by every hour on the hour where breezes don't exist except for once a year when you finally decide to tear yourself from that shitty green door encased in the room where this phone exists and get some air on your skin because a damn week had passed since you were somewhere's halfway a Waco in Dallas with that deed of paper bare knuckled between your fingers and that steering wheel with them words sawing nail beds into your damned meat pile skin with a back order a cast iron sear blackening where Connie wrote his name your daddy find him ring ring then there goes that damn phone again biting clumps of your gut and spitting them back out at you horning out like some goddamn bugle of deserve as if buddy you best believe what's coming got a prerequisite but all you can think about is that fluff of corn exploding on your windshield and them spirals of tinctured yellow spinning arcs and sparks like whittled gold, which had ram-jammed your foot down, metal to the pedal, jarring up in wheels of that rumbled muscle car dead in your tracks on a two-lane highway in the middle of fucking nowhere. And you never really did like the middle of fucking nowhere because it's where you're from. And there was always that stink tagging along like a damn blanket suffocating tight. And it worked the tight nurses taught in hospitals. And all of it knew this episode, this random splitting of a cornfield by a punching fat middle-aged clown with paint left over from a kid's birthday plastered on his face were cause you's hunting your dad. And there were an all over notion of not right tied up on both those ends like weren't nothing warranting a clown get up this far out in the boonies that weren't dipped and dripped and seedy and wrong which were a right accord like the card carrying sentimentality you had towards that particular family member in search of and a sure-fired, sealed-and-dealed agreement of both them quandaries were flapping jacks in the form of that big, fat zero, that clown mouth were making. Suppose it were sort of natural causations to why your foot would go to knee-jerk reaction of burn, baby, burn, and stomp that gas pedal full metal jacket down, cloud-driving Ronald McDonald there to clip dent the shit on your bumper and you double-dutch shoving a body in your trunk. And all this sermon to the mouth, because in the foreground of now... Where that same monster's bark, there's a face, faded yellow paper flapping under your windshield in the motherfucking breeze. That ought to bring us about fair and square. Let's get to that convo carrying out, shall we? In true slip and slide fashion and form, a wide variance, the preferred measure of attack regarding these sorts of things. However, Mick standing with his feet spread further than his shoulders atop that motel roof weren't rooted so much in 
tactical attunement and finesse, as much as it were the desired absconction of that being bold visage that carried a 150-pound frame on a taller than should, even when softened wet. But you had to give him props for the try. Thought I was going to have to wait all morning up here, sweating like a pig, before you grabbed that note. Ain't I struck you slow, Mick? A slight slurry and a slush detectable in the lower right side and a grateful sigh that the Western God Almighty clutched in the left were beginning to assuage the worry of the bullet's initial cumbersome placement. Turned up to him, marking a spot with a squint. How long's it been? Mick swatted out two. But that little affair didn't really give us adequate time, so it was twelve for good measure. As if it were a fact he'd chewed on every day since the last satin. That a clown I saw in your trunk? Sure enough is. He tied the balloon wrong. Mick always were a man to draw things out. Fashioned himself after a real-life gunslinger. A version of one of them tough guys born and bred on John Wayne and Clint. Caught himself up in it. Living out this fantasy of somebody reared in the wrong time, in the wrong place. Wanted no ownership whatsoever to that holler back east. He'd growed into it well. Wore the thread, spoke the talk, carried the gun. But he never were forced to ownership on it. Just sent a reminder down my spine is all. Mick went for a scratch on his nose. The Ruger following suit, pinning that grain against the rugged glare of his sun-tarnished skin. Might like a story. He weren't asking after that one about Ronald. He's asking after that blood that had sat and boiled and festered on him. Come on me in a cornfield. Just popped out. You don't say. The gun still arched by his brow. Just popped out on you. Added be. I guess he'd been sent down on a promise of a couple of stacks of ten, been told and fed and clothed and things that ain't part that ain't real, and he done shot me, this cowboy Mick Fairchild, because somebody told him to, and because he never could get past me knowing what he really were. I'd say it now if he's primed on a thing, he clomped with heavy breath. Fighting words. Finally. Traveled all the way up to the line, and now they tiptoe across to see who's made of what. That pain of knowing, whittling over the dawn, speckling. That scar he done at six, all grease and shine from where Granny'd done a bad stitch after he'd pushed down and beat over by a meek boy. So he said. From mine to his, but more to me. He ain't ever wanted to hear nothing I done tried to give. Starting up now just because you standing there and I sitting here don't seem to fit all that well with sense. It's a problem, Mick. It truly is. That glint forced me. A stare I'd seen practice since Rumble staged in the backyard. But these clouds buried in them. Barrels of haze covering up his eyes, fogging over that sight he's never granted. It were dynamite. And the match were already fucking burning. Go time. He's a sickly boy. Fragile little thing. Cough that you always that cough that car that red Like he's begging for it. Begging for the goddamn world to stop. Like... You'd something worth contributing. And I used to hope maybe you did. Used to think, God damn, it might just be. Sun tipped round, edge and mix tilt over and out. Folds of black, tacky on steel, cold gravel. That frail boy playing in the dirt of his mind, his life ahead of him. That thing that'd make him whole, hidden in a suit somewhere as he'd yet to step in. Never quite found the fit, did you? I'd made my peace on it long ago. Charted my mark, slug kicked out, fire burned through, bang clanged overhead. Mick Fairchild were my brother, and I done killed them dead. Well, that's probably a pretty good stopping point. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, thanks. So, so here, here's here's a, a question. 
Uh-huh. Who the hell is going to do the audiobook aside from you, right? <laughs> Ashley Irwin's going to do the audio. That's what I'm saying. You're going to have to do it because <laughs> if you start interviewing people to do the audiobook, none of them are going to live up to that at all. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's my it's my biggest request that I get yeah. is that you got to do it. So I got to talk to Ron about it or just do it myself. Was that rant in the beginning? Was that just all one sentence? I mean, it just seemed like it just <laughs> one real long. That was that was nuts. <laughs> uh, it's no, I like I like a ramble uh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Who was it? I was hanging out with um, a writer, and what did he call me? He called me. Uh, he called me the James Joyce of Southern Pulp, and I was like, I can, I can. There you go. I can deal with that. That's good. That's a nice way of saying schizophrenic, I suppose. But you know. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be on your on the cover of your next book. Just use that that quote. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'll take it. That's good. <laughs> no, I like a ramble. I, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Is it easy for you to switch into the dialect, or do you have to feel like you pra- do you need to practice it, or is it just click? I mean, it just. I mean, that's that's that voice right there is that's that's my dad's voice, quite frankly. Yeah. But now the second chapter, it's I, I, I'll read like two sentences of it. The second chapter, it's it's Irish. Because you have to think that that's it's purposeful, the right? Boys. Because yeah, yeah, the Whittle Boys, yeah. Because uh, you had this huge influx of Scotch, Irish, English, German into southeastern Kentucky, yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's where their accent uh, kind of comes in, and you know, it that starts in the 1930s, and so it goes. Well, I don't mind telling you, my brother's passion worked something he'd learned entirely on his own. Now, bit of a mark of a trade, right? Or, Picked it up over a spell of ripping and running, we'd found ourselves in fuckwees, bathing in it fur weave and stepped foot into double digits. Ain't it right, Riley? 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 So, you know, that. that you absolutely out. need to do the audiobook yourself. Yeah. Oh. This, is, this is all you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm, not, I'm not good with audiobooks. Like, I, I, I tune out and zone out when I, but I would. I would so be into this one, just you know, the different language, the different voices, and all that stuff. Yes, let's do this. Yeah, let's yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Let, yes, let's. Ron, do this. if you're listening, we need to make this happen. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna start yeah, a petition sure right now. I mean, it's every uh, everybody ask it. So yeah, uh, I've got to, I've got to put some. We've had enough mentions of intentions of it. We got to put some action behind it, if you will. There you go. There you go. So what? Uh, what's like um like the Irish coming in and like the 1930s, Southern Kentucky, did you do a lot of research for this other than yeah. you know, what you've learned from your family and whatnot? Yeah. Uh, I had, uh, yeah, lots of research. Um, lots of just understanding of hazard in general. So hazard is three hours Southeast of, uh, um, uh, Louisville, mm-hmm. Southeastern Kentucky, coal mining country. Um, it is in Perry County. Um, and when you start to look at the evolution of hazard, um, prior, uh, well, or early 1800s, you had this aristocracy this, um, that kind of came into the area and it was for the lumber industry. And then the, when the lumber industry transition, transitioned into coal, yeah. you had more influx of individuals coming into this place that had been completely sequestered by mountains. Um, so... Yeah, I, I have a couple of books where it's like old deeds, which are really fascinating to oh, read through. Think. Yeah, and and just understanding like the migration of folks in general. And um, uh, I, I'm very uh, captivated by this this frontier 
frontiersman uh, of, of what type of individual would be able to survive in this environment in that time period. Um, you know, and luckily I have all of these stories. So my, my uncle, uh, prior to his passing, um, who is actually, uh, the hitman of hazard. That's uh, part of the dedication of the book. Um, he's, uh-huh. he was a, my gosh, he was a storyteller. Uh, he, uh, he used to call it the radio there in hazard and you could just get on a tyra uh, <laughs> of stories. And he was six foot six. And at one point in his life, he carried about a nine inch barrel gun with him, but he used to whip it out and stuff. And so Clint before he passed, out. yeah, legit, he's got some g- crazy stories. Um, <laughs> he, um, before he passed, he was the last living individual with the stories of our family. And so I went and uh, audio recorded as okay. much as I could nice. um, yeah. because it was going to, it was going to leave uh, with them. And, you know, we had a discussion about whether I could use any of this stuff. So the, the Irwins are just peppered all throughout this. Uh, yeah. Well, so I, I go ahead. I was, I was going to say, speaking of which, then, so what does your family think of, of uh, this book and, and your writing, are they like stop giving away our secrets or what? It's too you much know? for her mom. No. Apparently, yeah, her mom <laughs> needs the easy, the easy mystery cozy thrillers. Um, no, I uh, my uncle told me that I could use anything. Uh, my cousins, um, I think they're in the process of maybe reading it. One of my cousins lent um, lent a holler to me. I know that my dad would be proud of it. Um, mm-hmm. I went and saw. I, I think everyone's good with it. Um, as long as you don't tell I mean, where the actual bodies are buried, then they're pretty fine <laughs> yeah, with it, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so rich and, and beautiful. Before we got on this, um, before we started the, the live, you know, I was telling y'all that my people have been in Kentucky since 1775, and you have to put that into consideration that the, the state of Kentucky wasn't accredited until 70, 1792, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but it uh, wasn't made statehood. Uh, So there has been, it's just, it's so rich. There's just so many stories there. And actually the Whittle boys, the Whittle name is my mom's side. And that's another fascinating thing that I think I'm probably going to investigate in a book at some point because they all come from Florida. And Uh um, like, so I'm the first generation out of seven to not be born in Florida. Um, So all over and and that they have their own different spell of things too. So yeah. uh, I mean, I think, I think if it can be, if it can be true to, to some sort of baseline of reality, I think that's when the, the best art comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love Not to say the... I don't like fantasy, because I do. <laughs> I just, I love all the rich history of stuff like that. Like, because it goes back, like you said, generations and generations. Yeah. And that oral storytelling passed down. I just, I love all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful, like. I grew up listening to, uh, you know, my dad tell stories about our aunt Florence and having live mules and, you know, the, the mules would, that's what's tending your garden and whatnot and living up there in the hollers. And like my uncle, uh, before he passed away, um, he lived, he kind of homesteaded our, the farmhouse and put some running electricity in it. And my dad and his brothers and, um, my cousin would go to the farm once a year, um, and they would sit up, they'd call it hunting, but I think that was just like drinking. Uh, and so, <laughs> like going golfing, and but you're. Yeah. And they'd go, they'd stay there and there's no running water. It's a stream and a well. And um, it's some of the most beautiful country in the entire world. I mean, it just, that's, that's where, that's where my people are. That sounds are. familiar to Brad right now, right? Were you yeah. in Kentucky? No. I'm kind of in a city, a little small city. 
<laughs> I don't want to dox myself and say get... what town I'm in, but Brad, you can yeah. get plumbing in the inside of the house now. <laughs> hey, I'll say when I look out my front door, I can see the one of the distilleries in Kentucky. So nice. So wake up on the cold mornings. Nice. You can you can smell the mash outside. Take the dogs out. What which, so which distiller is that? I can't say Jay. They'll know where I live. I'll tell y'all. <laughs> I was just gonna there's, say there's is it the answer to yeah. one of the questions in our game coming up? Uh, probably. Okay. okay. Speaking of which, I mean, who's up for a, a, a drinking game? Not that kind of drinking game. Those okay. in the chat. I, I poured a little one a minute ago. I know. We're, we're I do want to say. I get my soda water refill. Here yeah. we go. I, this might be golf on a tangent, but I love, and I might be weird, and no, no one else might ever do this, but I like going to places and thinking about who used to be here before, you know, who used to walk these Every halls time. All this kind of stuff. Every and like, time. I'll probably dox myself by saying this, but there is a place in town outside of a um, state building. And right now it's like a park. There's like a brick walkway and a fountain and we have like summer concert series there and they do like derby breakfast there and stuff and kids are all playing but back in like the 1900s the governor on that brick path there's a little plaque saying i think william goble was shot and killed here so like he died mm -hmm. on this spot and this is where all the mm -hmm. kids are playing now i don't know. yeah i just like thinking about what was this like 100 years ago what was this like 200 years ago who was here that kind of stuff yeah no that's why there's a plaque um you know there, there's a, a pretty uh, a pretty gnarly experience that happens in the thirties that mm -hmm. then in, um, yeah, oh, I know that happens in the sixties. Yeah. But then in the nineties when, uh, you know, some of the other characters are kind of having like laissez faire, um, uh, conversations at a, at like a dairy mart or something like that. The plaque yeah. exists from where those individuals, um, met their demise and it's grown over now. And, yeah, and it's. Yeah. Uh, I think about that all the time. I was. I, I was telling y'all earlier. I was just in Park City mm -hmm. earlier this week, and I'd never seen snow like that in my entire life. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. But as I'm like driving up into the hills up there, I just am overwhelmed with the journey that people had to make in order to get there. Yeah. Right. So, like, what did it look like when they? when they mounted that first crest and they saw this land. And I think about mm -hmm. that all the time when we're hiking in California and um, yeah, the, the land speaks to you, right? Yeah. If, if you, if you were in tune enough and, and there's a lot of that that's present. I talk about the land a lot in this book and I talk about the trees and, and, um, and the land is as much a character as, as mm -hmm. every individual that's walking it is um, because we're stewards of it. Everything's connected. And so if you, if you, if you lend a, an ear to it, it'll, it'll tell you about the people like yeah, so fascinating. So I think about that 24 seven. Yeah. There's a one section near the beginning talking about the big Oak tree with all everyone's initials carved in it. And a car drove mm -hmm. into it one time and the branch fell off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, thinking about that, like thinking about how, these things that have existed, these hundreds and, you know, thousand year old things. Um, and what all has this... this tree seen? Like that sounds corny to say it out loud, but no. what, been around, what everything, what, what all has happened from this tree? You're talking about yeah. maybe slaves were hung from it and just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it carries, everything carries the blood of the land, mm -hmm. right? Everything, everything, you know, to bring it back to a certain degree, everything carries the sins of the people that walked before it. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, Jay, that all just you glaze over. On no, 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 I'm, I'm listening to I mean, I, I don't, I guess I don't think of stuff 
like that. Like that. I mean, I, I, I like both of you, you know, where you're walking, where you're going, you're wondering who was there before you, all that stuff. It's never dawned on me. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's not deep. We just got deep. I'm not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Because I go down to like the old state Capitol building, like who all used to walk through here and, you know, do all this. Yeah. And my kids are running around. This is where they used to hold the Senate and, you know, chambers of commerce and all that stuff. But the kids are goofing off now. It's just, it's cool to think about. Yeah. And there's not, the, I'll, I'll shut up in a second. There's a, an account on Instagram where this person travels around Europe and they take a picture of what's there now and they hold up an old Polaroid of that same spot from World War II and they kind of match it up. I just think that's really cool. Oh my God. It's all like, that's... it's like now it's all nice and pretty, but in the old Polaroid, it's all blown up or there's soldiers laying on the ground with machine guns or a tank's destroyed just to see yeah. what happened. What, not even that long ago, what, 80 years ago now or so? Yeah, you've got to read uh, All the Light We Cannot See. It, it takes place, it's, it's, oh my gosh, just read it. Put it in your yo-hos. Is it it's World War II better. or is it something different? Yeah, yeah, okay. World War II. And it's it's fascinating. It works in a couple of different timelines, but it's, oh my gosh, the, the main character, Marie Lurie, is this little blonde girl. And she is just, it's, it is a master class in how things come together. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I'll write it down. I, I love World War II stuff. Same. 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 Any war stuff, honestly. Uh, like, just, any, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was say, we just became best friends. Bourbon and World War II <laughs> yeah. stuff. And... Yeah. History, hardcore history, Daniele mm -hmm. Bellelli, those podcasts, things like that. Um, uh, I mean, if I were to open up, I have like a, a desk where I do my work. It's It's all military tactical books and uh like Otto von Bismarck biographies and and things like that uh yeah I love it that as I said earlier that was my love language with my dad let's watch the history channel and let's just sit here and let's think about these people that came on before them what do you think that like and you know just talking stuff like that it's, I know it's so fascinating to think because you'll never know honestly it's just cool to think about yeah and it's I mean that's you know, it makes me think of that uh, um, uh, Pillars of the Earth book, right? And talking about like building this this Ken, church that took Ken thousands Follett, right? of yeah, it took thousands of years. Like when you're walking by these buildings, um, mm -hmm. and you're thinking about the architecture. You know, I I lived in Italy for a while, and so I I got the chance to kind of go into these old. Uh, there was this one town called uh, San Gimignano, and it. Um, it's a medieval town. It's got the fortress around it. And you're looking at these towers that have just like the little, I don't know. I don't know what they're called, but the little, the little slants like of windows. Arrow where slits. They, arrow slits. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're standing in a church and half of it's hanging off the cliff. And you're thinking like, who built this? Like, yeah. how long did it take? What is, ah, it's so yeah. fascinating. Is it up to code? No. OSHA does not apply. <laughs> That's, no a, code, that's no a steep cliff right now. <laughs> There's no handrails. I know. Steps are really narrow. <laughs> that's great. All right. You want to do uh Jay set up a drinking trivia challenge. You want to answer some? You'll yeah, probably, I'll, I bet, I bet you ace I'll this. Try. It's, it's easy. I, maybe not. Could, 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 could not be true. We'll see. <laughs> I'll try. So we're going to play some drinking trivia challenge. You ready for my intro, Jay? I didn't talk on it though. Did you make one? So, I did. It's not as corny as it normally is. You ready? We'll see. That was. Oh, you, you should have played was... some uh, one bourbon, one scotch. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So 
I think you'll ace these. I think there's 10 questions on here. Okay. Is that what I gave you? I don't remember the answers, by the way. I I, you, I found them. I'm curious, so. Jay, if you know what these answers are. All right. So number one, what alcohol goes in Irish coffee? Irish whiskey and Bailey's. Whiskey. That's great. Number two, what? I don't, makes... I don't, I don't think my answers were that deep. That that. <laughs> <laughs> was, the answer was just whiskey. Whiskey. That's, that's what the internet said. Yeah. I like that the non-drinker created the drinking trivia question. <laughs> yeah. Right? This yeah. is great. I know of this stuff. I just don't <laughs> right. partake sure, in it sure. anymore. I'm, I'm too old. In my younger days, <laughs> I'm fine, but you know. Number two, what makes beer bitter? Hops. Hops. Number three, what's the main fruit? What's the main fruit to make gin? Juniper. Juniper berries. Fruit? Ju- ju- yeah, juniper. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. We'll we'll go. Easy answer, yeah. Yeah, just remember, easy answers. <laughs> right, I was like, how as yeah. a parent do we want to go here? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Number four, what kind of alcohol is in a daiquiri? Rum. Rum. I made it too easy. That's okay. This yeah, one's really easy. Good. What kind of alcohol is in a margarita? Tequila. Tequila. Okay. Yeah. This is the Kentucky one. What cocktail is made of with bourbon, sugar, water, crushed, or shaved ice, and fresh mint? Ooh, mint julep. Mint juleps are good. Jay, have you had a mint julep? I don't think so. But they're good. They'll get you where you need to go, brother. I mean, there's there's a period of my life that I've forgotten, so I could have during that time. Especially with the simple syrup added in there. It's all nice (laughs) and sugary. Yeah, Yeah, they're delicious. Uh, Number seven: Which cocktail is made with whiskey, lemon juice, sugar, and an optional dash of egg white? A sour. Whiskey sour. Which U.S. state is named on the bottle, or sorry, which U.S. state is named on the label of a Jack Daniels bottle? Tennessee. What is the oldest distillery in the United States that still operates today? Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace. They oh, made, my gosh. Thank goodness. They made medicinal <laughs> alcohol during Prohibition. Yeah. Or one, like, on one of second. four that were still open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I National... lost. Maybe Maybe breath? Breath? Oh, there you are. I thought we yeah. lost breath. I was like, hey, I don't have control. I think I'm lagging a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Last question. What's the national alcoholic drink of the United States? The national alcoholic drink of the United States? Well, 1964. So it's not like a mixed Congress... drink. It's just a drink. The national. Think easy. The only thing I've. Yeah, think easy. The national drink the national alcoholic to... drink of the United States. Old fashioned? Think simpler than that. Like what you would put in an bourbon. old fashioned. Bourbon. Oh, bur- yeah, 1964. Yeah. Congress passed. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> bourbon. Yeah. I was like, hold on a second. Look, where are we going? Yeah, bourbon. Bourbon. Yes. <laughs> Told you. Yes, yeah. that was entertaining. Yeah. It was good. Y'all are making me thirsty, says CW. <laughs> Save it for next week. That's next week's guest. <laughs> that's what uh that's what i'm drinking right now i've got i've got l8 mixed with okay mixed with some buffalo trace spectacular what a lovely saturday so this book recently came out in what it came out in december grit by blood december the 9th mm-hmm. what's the reception been so far has it been pretty positive as far as what you've seen uh i 
think so. I think people have been pretty receptive to it. Um, I, I think that it's quite, um, you know, as we've mentioned earlier, it's something you got to dedicate some time to. It's not something, mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not a, it's not a dip in, dip out read. It's something right. where I'm like, Hey, uh, I want you to sit down and this is the, this is a couple afternoons or a couple evenings. Yeah. Um, but folks have said some nice stuff. I've got, um, uh, some folks that are going to lend out some reviews, um, coming shortly. So, you know, it's either going to be a bloodbath or a celebration. We'll welcome both. Right. Cause I mean, at the end of it, it's, I was having a conversation, uh, last night about how I think, I think the true beauty of, of writing is the process of writing and you mm -hmm. cannot, once it's out in the world, people are going to impart whatever projection inflection that they want on it. And you, you've just got to be really comfortable with the process of writing. And the other way to do that is I just write shit that I think is dope. Like, <laughs> and so if other people vibe, then that's great. Mm -hmm. um, if people let me come into a room and read, I love that because I, I do think that people enjoy it, but I just write things that I think are dope. So, and, yeah. um, if, if, yeah, so I can't really like one of the podcasts that I was on, um, dark waters podcast a while back. They're so lovely. Um, they were asking, they asked a question of, uh, which perplexes me at times. Um, if you could compare yourself to another writer, who would it be? And uh -huh. I still stand behind my answer of, I cannot lend that distinction. That's not my, that's not my place to do. That's whomever's reading it. I can remind them of somebody. Um, I can say writers that I really enjoy reading that I would love to be in like on a bookshelf next to them. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that's, that's just a yearning of them. Like that's a, that's a good uh, table mate to break some bread with, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so speaking of process, what is your process? Do you, do you have to have quiet or do you play music? Do you stress over structures? Do you rewrite things a hundred times? Walk us through some of that. Yeah. So I, um, so I, if I'm at home, I, you know, I do whiskey work from the house as well. So I have to, I have a writing desk okay. and I don't do anything else except for write at that desk. Like yeah. that desk is, is, uh, it's salvation. And, um, I treat it with a lot of sanctity and reverence. And, um, when I sit down at that desk, I, I try to be respectful of that because I'm also, like I said, everything that I write is this continue. This, it's a conversation with my dad. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm speaking to my, to my ancestors to a, a little bit and allowing them to come through this, this art of this storytelling to allow them to come through. So um, I tend to have a lot of paper that's got stuff written on everywhere. Um, I do not listen to music. I, I, I will listen to, I have listened to metal before in a rewrite of action scenes. Uh -huh. Like, but that's, that's way, way back. And sometimes I will have like a, maybe like a tone that I'm trying to curate that there'll be a song in my head, but I, I won't ever listen to music. I need, I need quiet. Did you say you listen to metal? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. For the yeah. action scenes. All right. In general. I'm, yeah. I'm a metalhead. Um, I mean, I love all music, but I tend to like a aggressive music. 
Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, because I associate it with, I don't, I have found that I am a little bit of an odd bird. I don't listen to a lot of music when I'm in the mm-hmm. car. I, music right. is very much uh, regulated to a vehicle of action for me. So it is like if I'm working out or if I am trying to get hyped up for something. So it yeah. tends to be, um, a little bit more aggressive. I think that I also, my dad didn't listen to music. My mom listens to music. Um, so I don't really ever have music on in the house. Uh, so, um, yeah, but, but if I do, it's, it tends to be a little bit more metal oriented. Well, we just now can do did another you, show. Did you yeah. just become best friends, Jay? Yeah, we just became best friends. Did we just <laughs> become best friends? Okay. <laughs> oh my God, we're totally best friends, guys. We're totally best friends. Yeah. I love that, and I would say probably most writers respect their work. But I love that you almost have this this reverence for it, especially like sacred when, like that. The desk is sacred ground, you yeah. Know, and you don't want to, especially where you feel like it's, you yeah. having conversations with your with your dad. There's right. almost another level yeah. of reverence to it, which I really appreciate. Yeah. No. Th- thank you. Thank you. Um. Yeah. There's pictures of like my family up above the desk and like sands and whatnot. And like, if I'm sitting at that desk, then I'm I'm reading things that are lending influence or getting me in a particular modality of thinking mm-hmm. um, because the world is pretty hectic and um, uh, specifically, you know, for, for my job, I, I tend, I juggle a lot. Um, yeah. And, and so I need to quiet that yeah. and, and, and treat it with respect now. And, and I try to stay on track. Like I'll have pieces of paper. Like if I'm really good, this isn't all the time, but if I'm really like in the zone in the process, then I'll have some post-its next to me. And if a thought comes into my head that would take me away from the writing, I'll just write a word down and mm-hmm. then I can revisit that. And if I'm really in the zone of writing, I'll do a po- the Pomodoro um, method. Y'all heard of that? Um, mm-hmm. It's like a method of studying or working where you set a timer and you try to um, be extremely laser focused for segments of time and then give yourself short breaks. So it's, it can be like, you're going to work diligently at something for 30 minutes and you're going to take a five minute break, set the, okay. set the clock again. Oh, okay. And you have repetition through that to where you like finish a full, like 90 minute cycle. And then you can step away from it because it's, it, there are some studies that say that you can't focus on something for more than 90 minutes. Um, uh-huh. uh, so uh, I'll, I'll do something along those lines and, and I usually have an alarm near me um, and, and then I'll break away. But when you get into that, when I get into that zone, everything that I'm doing, even if I'm not sitting at the desk writing, it's in the back of the tinker and I'm thinking about it. So like I'll be mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, as long as I have paper near me, I'll write something down and then that's going to take yeah. me back. So it's like, almost That's like training process. your brain to be in that in yeah. that zone for a long time. Definitely. Yeah. I need to you do that. It. Yeah. Because yeah, I get interrupted by I, the kids so much. Like I'll do something, doing something interrupted by the kids and doing something interrupted by the kids. Yeah. So if I do it in yeah. shorter periods, it wouldn't, I guess less interruptions would happen maybe. Yeah. Look it up. It's, and, and they actually suggest that you get a, like an old school, like bacon timer that okay. you set it and you kind of remove yourself entirely from any sort of technological influence. Yeah. Um, this is bad. I need to just throw this away sometimes. Do right, it right, yeah. right now. Do I it mean, live. Throw it away. Just, just fling it across the <laughs> room. There's, there's something really beautiful to be said about social media and whatever permutation that is that an individual participates within. But there is also, it is, it's I, a time I am, 
Yeah, I'm of the proponent and becoming more and more so as I am um, relinquishing control, the uh, relinquishing the control that it has on me, and the more mm -hmm. distance that I put put from it, um, I'm finding that my brain processes things very different. Um, so, it uh, I'm more and more inclined that it's a marketing tool that that should not. Uh, and and like I said, I planted like a little seed of mimetic crisis, which is you know a five day <laughs> podcast. Um, but I'm not so sure that it's, it's the best uh, experiment that we have all collectively partook, uh, yeah. partook in. So. There's some good things about it, but there's a lot of negative things about it. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So as we start winding down some, we're looking yeah. to get to your Saturday, but before you go, who usually sees your first stuff? Who do you run your store ideals and stories across? The man. Yeah. The man, uh, he sees, he, he gets, First, uh, first reader. So he is uh, basically. Does he ever go? No, um, dude, change yeah. it. Um, <laughs> he doesn't say no. No, he doesn't say no. He he posits questions. Um, okay. He's a writer as well, and um, he's got oh my gosh, he's got some tankers that are about <laughs> to start shopping. Wow, they're gonna. He's got this one that he's wrapping up, and it is gonna same genre, or are we talking like fantasy or something um no so he has this book and i'll uh i'll speak out of turn uh on it but i'm super excited about it because i'm about to read it in it's um in it's full length uh i've read snippets of it but i'm about to be able to read the full thing so it's like um i may not do it justice but i'll say it uh it's lonesome dove meets oh. uh resident evil meets okay. adventure and it's okay banger banger nice. um so i he's got a so is it a thousand people. pages like lonesome dove it's a honker yeah it's, a honker. Now, it's not a thousand pages but it's a honker uh he wrote he has some books that he's shopping around that fit more closely within the crime genre but um oh, yeah. he is he is navigating different waters in this this next one i'm really excited about but to bring it back to the yeah. we're very we're very blessed to both partake in the journey of artistic exploration and to be able to uh, live a relatively like ritualistic monastic schedule of yeah. when it comes mm -hmm. to our reading because we uh, our writing because he he's in he's in the the super diligent uh, he is a disciple of discipline right now in his writing. And I'm just about to partake into that level of um, zone with the new work. But yeah, we, we, we read each other's stuff and um, that's, that's kind of the only opinion that matters. Like cool. otherwise. Yeah. 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 How did you, you uh, I was, was going to ask, how did you celebrate getting accepted with shotgun honey? Big party. Oh, I cried. Okay. <laughs> no, I just didn't know how to process it. So I just cried. I think that's my default. Like, I was like, this is too much. And I was just like, boo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, to be quite frank, I haven't really. It is. Has it not sunk in a, yet? Maybe. Yeah, no, it, no. It still didn't sink in. Yeah. No, it's pretty, it's pretty surreal still. I mean, I did a reading in Louisville. Uh, it was very important for me to do like two little mini book launches in Kentucky for a couple of reasons. Like, um, one was it, uh, you know, Butcher every, Cabin books, right? Butcher Cabin books in Louisville. Mm -hmm. Great bookstore. Um, yeah. really lovely. And then the other Jenny, one, Jenny's was, awesome. 
She's great. Oh my, yeah. I was a lot of energy for her, but she is great. <laughs> she's very quiet, I, I, but she's awesome. She's super quiet. Yeah, but she's got a book coming out. She does um, in January yeah. next year, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited about that. Um, that Wretched Valley, is that what it's called, I think? Yeah, it's uh, um, that off pass in like uh, Red River Gorge is basically what it is. Yeah. Um, and I'm super excited for that. What a cool, what a cool store. Uh, if y'all are ever around Louisville, go visit it. So mm-hmm. excited for her. Um, and then, You've been before, um, Brad, right? Yeah, I've been there twice. I okay. went for the opening weekend, and then uh, Clay McCall Chapman was there with the Ghost Eaters did a reading. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I did one at, um, oh my gosh, Earl, Earl Spotted Noon. Okay. Reed Spotted Noon in yeah. Hazard. Um, and uh, that was fantastic. And I got to uh, read that in the family. But I have this... Um, Yeah, I think that there'll there'll be a couple of things coming up that I think it'll be pretty a couple of events that are in the works that I think it'll start to like really hit home that it's it's out there and it's, it's real. And yeah, and I made toast. It's, it's a thing you can touch and some and champs, if you will. Yeah. So I've got I've got two final questions for you. Yeah. And one just a second ago you talked about you didn't like to compare yourself to other writers, but do mm-hmm. you feel in the influence of other writers in your writing? Because for me it felt your voice feels very original. Like it's not like, Oh, that's like Joe Lansdale or that's like David Joy. Mm -hmm. It feels original, but do you have any influence from other writers that you read before? I mean, I think during this time I was reading a lot of Southern writers. Let me, let's, let me answer it this way. I have some writers that left an insurmountable imprint on me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I am sure that there are, ways in which they crafted a story that have lent tentacles into my work. Right. So, yeah. um, Carson McCullers, Larry Brown, Tom Franklin, Donald Ray Pollock, Harry Cruz, Harry Cruz is, uh, a door. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Frank bill, Frank bill. Um, when Donnie Brooke came out, it left, I had never read anything. I had never read um, like action like that before. The way that Uh he carves out fighting. And I found it to be singular in its presence. And interestingly enough, I would make an argument that a lot of contemporary writers within the crime fiction world kind of all embarked upon that style which i which i do believe is more is is kind of like a leonard cohen exploration of like short spurst dialogue directive dialogue um Mm -hmm. i see that in crimes of southern indiana too right that's what i have from frank bill so yeah 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 and um so there there are writers like that um right around the time when i was reading this when I was writing this book I think I had kind of simultaneously discovered all of these writers at the same time and so if I this was prior to I was still behind a bar at that point pending bar for a job Uh so I had a lot more um a lot more liberty with my time so I was reading like five books at once yeah just voracious appetite um so I would say that those individuals and then 
you know, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of movies too. So I, I think begets a thing begets a thing, right? There you go. Yeah. Jay, do you have any other questions? I got one more. Go ahead to the last one. I, I was going to, you know, see where people could find her, Twitter, all that stuff. So, so you go ahead with oh. your next one. <laughs> so if you're talking about being a bartender, if you were to make a drink for grit black blood, what would your drink be? And what would you call it? Oh, oh, uh, great question. So, uh, side note. Okay. Let me, let me, let me do a caveat to that. Am I making okay. a drink for you or am I making a drink for myself? For yourself. Like if you, if, what drink would represent this book? If you were cr to create, oh, not a to drink book. while reading it, but one that's yeah. like, that's like based on the book kind of, this is, this is the grit black blood, you know, drink. What would it, what would it be? Gosh, that's a good question. I don't drink cocktails. So that's why I was like, is this for me? Um, despite, uh, so I what would be say, one for you. And then what would be a cocktail you'd do for me? It's neat. It's neat. It would be overproof bourbon and, and a bud diesel. Uh, and we would just have good company with each other. Uh, and for someone, okay. I got it. Um, so Angels and V Bourbon, Kentucky Straight. Uh, there you go. Finished pimp, bourbon. Pimp the brand. Uh, there you go. I was, I was waiting to see if she was going to go that route. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky Straight Bourbon finished in Ruby Port Wine Barrels, aka that liquid lace. Um, there you go. I would say that and lemon and um, lemon juice and uh zuka which is a rhubarb romaro mm -hmm. and honey and then like a fire water tincture because i think it needs to have a couple of layers it needs to be bright like sunshine it needs to have the blood of the land which is that rhubarb uh amaro uh a, a bitter italian digestive and then it needs to have a little bit of fire under it it's got that kick, that's that little cinnamon do. kick. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great someone's, question. Someone's going to play this back and, and make it now and start selling yeah. it. So. We sell. We yeah. need to make it and see see what it tastes like. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. 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 Well, Ashley, this has been fun. I, we we oh can't thank you enough for making up making up to date. And, you know. Yeah. Luckily, we were both healthy this time to talk with you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. being understanding about the whole thing i felt right. horrible about it oh my gosh don't no friend life happens i'm glad that you're feeling better and no i'm thank you all thank you all for having me on thank you for trudging through the book hopefully it wasn't that tedious and hopefully no. you had a I'm, good time with it, I haven't we're, finished we're, it yet. Uh, i'm about halfway yeah. through but i'm really enjoying it where can people find you twitter instagram stalk you a little yeah. bit or <laughs> yeah so uh 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 Every, I think the easiest way to do it would be ashley-irwin.com. I got a website. That'll link you all to uh, links to the books, links to all my short stories that I've written. Um, it has a social media, Twitter and Instagram um, link. My Instagram handle is bonfirebooze, B-O-O-Z-E. Um, and my Twitter is little blonde ninja. Um, and, uh, but the easiest way to find all of that is uh, just ashley-irwin.com. Great, great. And all the Can't links are down yes. in the bio. Yeah, all the links down, are... down below. There you go. And one, one last thing enough, real so. quick. So right yeah. now, if you go to uh, shotgunhoney.com and use oh, that's why I saw whiskey, yes. you can save 25% on your own brand spanking new copy of Grit Black Blood. Yeah. So go check out Shotgun Honey. Get you a great book at a little discount price. Cool. Yes. Yes, please do. Um, and, and thank you all again for the opportunity to speak to y'all. Um, so lovely to meet you and thanks to everybody who listened. Yeah. Appreciate go enjoy the rest of your, uh, it's Saturday. It is Saturday. Yes. So everyone, thanks Saturday. so much for uh, everyone in the chat. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for hanging out with us for Brad over there. I'm Jay Ashley. Thank you so much for stopping by. We really appreciate it.
Till oh, we meet again, should we tell him who's next week? We well, already did. He's actually, in the, he's actually in the chat here. C.W. Blackwell. C.W. Blackwell. Oh, good. So, oh, great. Well, y'all yeah. have next, a great Next uh, next Saturday night, eight p.m. our time, Eastern. So I don't know. You guys can do the math, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the, that's a wrap. Thanks, Ashley, everyone. You so you'll, have, you'll have to come back sometime since we're all Definitely. best friends. I now. shall. Yeah. Yeah. You. You let me. We'll, we'll we're, come we're back. We're gonna have a, a metal day. episode. That's what we're, we're going to have. Metal a and bourbon. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Let's do it. <laughs> Brad right, would be so lost so with the metal. So I, I'll just sit back okay. and I'll have a nice little drink, and y'all can talk about the metal. <laughs> I love it. All right, everybody. Yeah, let's see ya. All right, bye, friends. Thanks. Actually, bye. Jay, I love you. I know you do. <laughs>